Great job, Miles. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone, and welcome, or maybe better yet, welcome back. Uh, church on Sunday morning. You, you thought we'd just given up on that idea, hadn't you? Well, it is good to see you this morning, and I'm uh, honored to have the opportunity today to come before you with the word of the Lord and to share something today from uh, a psalm, Psalm 100. If you want to turn there in your scriptures, we'll have the verse. We're going to, we're going to go through the entire psalm. You ready? Settle in. It's all five verses. So I don't think it'll, uh, it'll wear us out to, to spend some time here. Well, I hope you've had a good week. It's certainly been an interesting few weeks with the weather behind us, but, you know, it just gives us more, more stories to tell and uh, opportunity to see the Lord's hand and blessings. And I uh, uh, trust you had a good uh, few weeks uh, surviving some of that. And certainly the weather's been the talk of the, uh, of the town the last few weeks. But it's just still February. We're here on just the first Sunday of February. So those of us who've been around a while know that uh, February and March can still bring some of their weather with us too. Today is a special day. We have the opportunity this uh, uh, later this afternoon to celebrate with Pastor Paul and Karen their 50th wedding anniversary as a church family, and uh, that'll be a joyous time. Hope you'll plan to be there with us. Of course, no evening Bible studies. Uh, we're just going to enjoy and celebrate the Lord's goodness on our pastor and his wife, and what a treat that is for us. So it'll be a floating event, no real big program. Uh, we, dis we discussed the marching band and fireworks, but, you know, we, we talked ourselves out of it. Um, but uh, we'll have a good time celebrating. So hope you plan to be back with us this evening to uh, celebrate, for sure, with their family. Psalms 100. You can just glance at it and see it's not a lot of words. I didn't take the time to count them, but it's just five verses, so it shouldn't take us too long. And uh, we want to look at this passage as a whole, but I really want to spend a little more time in the last verse. Hear how the Bible reads this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I hope we've entered today with some of those thoughts in mind. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We have this phrase in our language called the self-made man. The scripture says none of us have made ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. If you take a look at all these verses as a whole, I hope something will stick out to you, and that is the word Lord four times in all capital letters. Uh, that's, a, that's a translator's way from way back when to identify a word that we would in our language identify as Jehovah. It's really the Old, the old uh, Testament word that would be pronounced Yahweh. It's the word that in Exodus chapter 6, the name for God, that he revealed to Moses. Remember that account, Moses at the burning bush? And Moses said, if I go back to the people, they will ask me, what is the name of this God? Who is this God? They had always known God to that point as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but Moses had some insights. He'd evidently had many discussions before about pondering who God is in a time before the word was written. 
And there in Exodus, at that great scene of Moses at the burning bush, the Lord reveals himself. We read it in our Bible as, I am that I am. That phrase sound familiar? And it's the, it's the name that identifies the personal name of God. When God says, here's how I want you to know me, this is the name that was used. It gets translated in the scriptures, and help, to help us identify that, it's always the four capital letters, L-O-R-D. You'll notice that here. There's an element of, of a personal intent that God allows us to come to him as individuals. We're not coming as a nation of people, not just as a nation. We're not just coming as a congregation. And we might be tempted to think, oh, I'm just one more face in the crowd. No, we're coming to God very individually and personally with this, with this psalm. You'll notice, too, as you look, sort of glance over the verses, in the first, the first part of this psalm, these verses, the first two, the psalmist is speaking to us. In essence, he's speaking to the entire world. The, the entire world, all ye lands, is called to come before the Lord. He speaks to us. But in verse 3, he speaks with us. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. As we gather from week to week, Sunday to Sunday, whether it's mornings or afternoons or evenings, as we gather, we gather as a we who are his people. The gospel allows us the opportunity to be born again, to be born into God's family so that we are not just someone who's being talked at through the scriptures. It is God's word to us individually, personally. And we live it out as a family, as a congregation. We come with these attitudes and these thoughts. So many great sentiments are given here, ideas that help us to focus on the big picture of who God is. You often hear Pastor Paul or I, and I certainly learned it from him, reference the Amplified Bible. And um, I enjoy getting into the Amplified and, and seeing how it expands the meaning. The Amplified intends to take maybe one or two Greek words and expand the meaning so that in our English we can better understand what's intended. So here are these five verses through the Amplified, and here are how these ideas are expanded. Amplified reads it this way, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless and praise his name for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. Can I take it out of the, out of the, the text here for a moment and talk about 
our opportunity to see this where we live in the time we live. And maybe even make it a little personal to us as a congregation. Shout joyfully to the Lord. All ye who attend Gospel Baptist Church. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence in the auditorium with joyful singing. As you enter, know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves and we are his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the parking lot with a song of thanksgiving and come into the lobby with praise on your lips. Be thankful to him as you worship together. Bless and praise his name for the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all the generations, even down to the nursery. It gives us an opportunity to see these simple verses placed in our day-to-day -day experience of serving the Lord, worshiping him week to week. Your Bible may have, as many translations have done over the years, the printers may have inserted a title to this five-verse psalm. I looked at several just to sort of get a flavor of what those sounded like. One said, shout for joy to the Lord, all ye lands. That's how they introduce it. Shout, to the Lord, uh, uh, shout for joy to the Lord. Another one just simply said, a psalm of praise. Another one said, a hymn of praise. Any way you express it, we cannot miss the intent of the, of the verse as it starts us and points our hearts toward this idea of a joyful noise. A joyful noise. What does a joyful noise sound like? Have you ever been to a ball game and your team hits the winning shot or the winning goal or the, the walk-off home run to win the game? That's a joyful noise, isn't it? It's excitement that fills the air because of the events that are before us. This phrase is commonly found in the Psalms. Serve the Lord. Shout to him with a joyful noise in that service. His presence is one to be entered with singing. Psalms 81, verse 1 says, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Psalms 95, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 98 talks about a joyful noise and a loud noise. Psalms, a little later in Psalms 98, it says, Blow the trumpets and sound the, and sound the horns. Have you ever heard a fanfare of trumpets? A fanfare of trumpets is, is when the trumpeteers line up and they play this entrance music for a dignitary, a king. We have this tradition in our country. They play the fanfare of hell to the chief as a president enters a room or enters a facility. That's the impression that's given to us here. Strike up the band, as it were. Grab the trumpets, sound the horns, and make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King, is what Psalms 98 describes to us. These five verses down through history 
have played that very role. They call God's people to a place of saying, lift up your voice. And in one way or another, this psalm has found its way into a wide variety of Christian hymns and songs. Even before there was contemporary music or southern gospel music, it was true. Indeed, down through the centuries, this song has been sung, recited, chanted, or even read as a sacred expression to celebrate God. When this verse was translated into the Latin Bible, they used the word that we would have in our English, jubilee. You understand what a jubilee is? A great celebration. We come before God, the creator, the majesty. We come with jubilation upon our hearts, inviting everyone to join their voice and celebrate, as it were, all the inhabitants of the earth are called to celebrate God. You realize every Sunday, just like every other day of the week, there are 24 hours. And in that 24 hours, as the earth rotates, every hour, somewhere, there's a, Christian or, there's a Christian group in every time zone of the world that's lifting up their praise before the Lord. I've had the opportunity to travel and be in some of those places where Christians in other parts of the world, and I often think, well, here we are, it's this time over here, and my church had their worship time six hours ago, or 10 hours ago, or 12 hours ago. We're just following that pattern. All throughout the land, the inhabitants of the earth lift up their voice in each of those time zones as they gather together to lift up the Lord's name. The, King, the original King James translation introduced this psalm this way, an exhortation to praise God cheerfully for his greatness and for his power. I think they had it. They nailed it. They knew that we needed to be exhorted to praise God and to lift up our voice cheerfully for who he is and the greatness which he has demonstrated himself to be. And it is appropriate, right? It is appropriate that we celebrate God, the living, eternal, righteous, and holy one. It's appropriate that we come into his presence, as it were, with jubilee upon our voice and in our minds, where our hearts are filled with joy, and we come with the purpose of honoring him in the way in which we gather and lift up our voice. What is translated noise in the King James and other translations, other English translations, you'll often find it, is really a word that means a shout or the sounding of a blast. I think often of the idea of the, the rolling thunder is a simple expression of a blast that, refer, that refers to God's power in our presence. We think of the shout that the people lifted up as they marched around Jericho. It was with that shout that God's power was made known and the walls would fall. That's the way in which we come into his presence. We are called. Verse 3 reminds us, know ye that the Lord, he is God. There is something to know today. And we should be as settled and, and firmly fixed on that truth as anything in our lives. We know that the Lord, he is God. We know it. 
There's a world of people out there that don't know it or that deny it. But we know. And because we know who God is, we should know what God can do. And very few phrases express it as well as that of the great song, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. That's what God can uh, found. That's what God can do. By knowing who God is, we know something of what God can do. This verse 3 tells us it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. One of the most essential doctrines of Scripture is the reality that God created all things. We have not created ourselves. Can any object ever in all of eternity create itself? No. We are his people. Why are we his people? Because he has provided a way of deliverance and salvation. And that makes us, as verse 3 concludes, the sheep of his pasture. Difficult to hear that verse without echoes of Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The reality of God, the creator, an essential truth that is echoed here comes to, comes to our attention. And because of that, in verse 4, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Do you remember the, the Miller translation? Enter the parking lot with thanksgiving and come into the lobby with praise. It's not something that starts just because we came through the double doors. We should be anticipating as we come to church. We should expect the opportunity to come and praise the Lord to be a highlight of our time here as we gather as a congregation. Just one congregation, but, but one nonetheless. And may the Lord find us faithful to come with that attitude of praise and joy, to celebrate with gladness and with thanksgiving all that God has done for us. There's an implied question in verse 5, and here's where I want to spend a little time in verse 5. There's an implied question at verse 5. It's not in the text, but it is implied. The question is why? Why do we come with an attitude of celebration and jubilee? Why do we set our sights on praise and lifting up God's name with a voice of shouting and, and, and jubilation? Why? The implied question, because there is an answer in verse 5, a three-part answer. For the Lord is good. That's why. Our thanks and our praise, our celebration and jubilee are the right things to do in recognition of God's goodness. And we often need to remind ourselves of that, don't we? He is good in his plans. He is good in his grace. He is good in his forgiveness and good in his promises. He is good in his purposes and good in his timing. He is good. We boldly sing a song, a song of more contemporary or, or origins. We boldly sing how great is our God. Let us with equal passion proclaim how good is our God. Romans 8, 28, a familiar passage, I'm sure, to many, assures us that all things work together for good to them that love God. 
to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Even the events that we would label as bad, God shows his goodness to see all things work together. Do you remember the account of the Old Testament toward the end of Genesis where Joseph is, is meeting with his brothers? Lots of things have happened. The same brothers that threw him in the pit once upon a time. The same brothers who sold him to the, to the caravans that delivered him to Egypt. That delivered him to Potiphar. That delivered him to prison. But through God's work, all things work together for good. Joseph is brought to this place of exaltation. Second most powerful man in Egypt. And through a series of events that God providentially orchestrated, he comes in face-to-face -face reality with his brothers. Years later, how many stories could be told? How many, how many remembrances are there of all these events? And Joseph's brothers rightly feared standing in his presence. Their father had died. Oh, they were thinking, he will surely get us now. He'll pay us back. He's been kind to us only because dad was alive. But now that dad has died, there's nothing restraining his vengeance. But that was not so of Joseph. It was never his intent. They misjudged him terribly. They were looking at things only from their perspective. And Joseph would say to them, you meant it for evil, but God worked it for good. Is there enough experience in our Christian life to give that statement somewhere? But at the moment, it was difficult. It was hard. I stayed awake at night. I cried tears. I, I had no solace in anyone's compassion upon me. But now, down the road a ways, a new perspective overwhelms us. If it had not been for that, I would have never known God in the way I know him now. Job certainly said that at the end of his, at the end of his trials and afflictions. I have heard of thee by the by the voice, by the words of men, but now I know you. I know you in a different way because of what you brought me through. Because God is good. Let it settle into the depths of our souls that God is good when you're standing on the bank of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army chasing you. God is good when you're isolated on an ark with just a few family members and the place smells like a zoo. God is good when you find yourself standing face to face with a giant who is blaspheming your God and vowing to kill you. God is good. God is good when you're thrown into the fire for doing what is right while everyone else is following what's politically correct. God is good when you're cast into a den of wild animals by those who are planning your destruction. God is good when you get the unexpected phone call of a sudden tragedy. God is good when you get the startling doctor's diagnosis. God is good even when life seems bad. God is good. Let it settle into our hearts and to our minds and to the very depth of our soul now so that when those situations arise, 
we will be first and foremost reminded God is good. It is by God's goodness indeed that we have physical life. And by his goodness, we have eternal life through faith in Christ. It is God's goodness that gives us each heartbeat and each breath. It is God's goodness that allows us to fall asleep at night and awake in the morning. Some would want to attack God's goodness by saying, how can God allow such a, such a world as this to be so evil, so entrenched with the defilements of humanity? I say quite to the contrary. The mere existence of that evil in the world today is a reminder that God's good shines into that darkness, into the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, to bring salvation to understand what is truly good can only be found in the one who is truly God. Indeed, we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in bodies that are decaying. We ache with age. We watch ourselves day by day, year by year, slow down a little bit. A few more aches and pains come with the territory. One more reminder of the decaying world in which we live in. Even when we watch the news on television, we're reminded of the decay and rot. The Bible even talks about in Romans that the, the earth itself groans for the decay that has encompassed it. And yet through it all, God's goodness lights a way and a path to those to whom he calls and brings salvation. Indeed, a light that goes out to all the nations that God is good. That's one answer to why. Why do we come and praise God with such joyous hearts? Second answer, his mercy is everlasting. Mercy. Defined as kindness, loving kindness, faithfulness, love, acts and expressions of kindness. Mercy is one of the primary characteristics, shining characteristics of who God is. His mercy. We won't take the time now, but go read Psalm 136. There are 26 verses there. It is the pinnacle psalm of God's mercy. And in 26 verses, the psalmist expresses all that God is. And at the end of every verse, it ends with this phrase, his mercy endures forever. Mercy is that foundation. Mercy gives us the opportunity to hear God's truth, to respond to God's call. Mercy gives us the opportunity to understand in greater reality what God has done for me needs to be shared with others to give us the testimony of a living, breathing God follower through Christ Jesus. Mercy reveals the unchallenged position that God is the eternal God. There is none other. His mercy endures forever. It is everlasting, as it said here. 
We've got one answer. Why? Because God is good. Because his mercy is everlasting. The third answer, his truth endures. His truth endures. While God is the central person of our pursuits in our Christian walk, he is the central person of our pursuits. God in Christ Jesus, he is a central person in our pursuits. I submit to you truth should be the central object of our pursuits. For without truth, we become victims. We become victims of our own passions. Without truth, we become casualties to the lies that are promoted by fools. Without truth, we see what is crooked is straight, and what is straight is crooked. It's the world we live in, is it not? They have denied God's truth, and now everything that used to be perverse is accepted and promoted. They've denied God's truth, and so somehow they think they're God. We must pursue truth. To ignore truth, and even worse, to deny truth, is to willingly condemn ourselves to destruction and despair and even eternal death. We must not and never can ignore truth. We are given a book of truth. God's word is that eternal book of truth. In it we know of him. In it we know of ourselves. And in it we learn how a holy God can have right relationship with sinful man. Because we indeed are all sinners. To ignore that truth is to condemn yourself to eternity and eternal death. How important is truth? There in Pilate's Hall, recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, we have the, re the recorded words of Christ, who before Pilate said these words, John 18, 37, I came into the world, Jesus said, that I should bear witness unto the truth. There's lots of great answers to the, re to the question, why did Jesus come to earth? We could think of lots of great ones and lots of biblically true statements. But let's hear the supreme answer that Jesus Christ himself gave when posed with that question. Why did you come to earth, Jesus Christ? He says, I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Indeed, as the very Son of God, he lived that perfect life of truth and demonstrated to us his divinity by the way in which he lived it and proclaimed it, truth. His truth endures to all generations, the psalm says. To all generations, to our generation, you know, we've gotten real good in the last bunch of years of giving every generation a label. We went from the greatest generation to the boomer generation, I've lost track of all of them, the uh, generation X and generation Y, the millennials, and so on, so on it goes. Doesn't matter what generation you're in, the truth still applies. It is a one size 
reality to all humanity, the truth, because it never changes. And in our role as a church ministry, as a congregation, as individual Christians, we lift up this word of truth. And we proclaim the gospel of truth so that all men, all women, all children might come to the truth. The truth is we all need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ and him alone. Let me make note of something else there in verse 5 that the English loses that's implied in the translation. You see, when you read it in the English, it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. What's implied in that verse is at the very end, those three words, to all generations, applies to all three of those answers. We more rightly read it this way to understand the intent of the passage. For the Lord is good to all generations. His mercy endures to all generations. And his truth his mercy is everlasting to all generations, and his truth endures to all generations. It is to all generations, regardless of your age here today. Accept these realities. To deny truth is to put yourself in peril temporally and eternally. Who among us would be so foolish as to deny the truth of gravity? Climb to the top of the building. It won't impact me, you might say. But we'll let you submit yourself to the law of gravity and see what happens. Yea, a million times more foolish is it to deny the laws of God. The reality of holiness and justice. The expectation of need of humanity, of everyone in humanity to hear the gospel cry. How foolish. Because you don't just submit yourself to physical death. You submit yourself to eternal death. So today, where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Is your life in the shadow of his mercy? Is it built upon the foundation of truth? Does it acknowledge and recognize the goodness of God? Or is your back turned? You both ignore and deny the truth of God. I can only tell you what the scripture tells in its truth. You are setting yourself on the broad path, a path that leads to destruction. And yes, there may be many that go thereby, but there's no reason to when the truth has been given to us plainly, boldly. So as we gather this Sunday and Sundays moving forward, I hope we'll enter, his parking, enter the parking lot with praise. Come into the lobby with anticipation of thanksgiving. Stand in this auditorium and lift our voices with joyful hearts. If you've paid attention much the last few weeks, you've noticed that we've done a few changes in the lobby around here. I hope you've caught that. I hope that's caught your attention. One of the things I, I, that, that is premier in our intent of what everything else is in the lobby is not just the nice seating or the new, the new decorations, or new technologies. But there's a banner. Have y'all noticed the banner? As you come in the front door, look up. Lift up your eyes, as the scripture might say it. There's a verse there on the banner. 
Have you caught the attention of what the verse is? It's Psalms 100, verse 5. It calls us, as we enter this very building, to recognize the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. May that be a bit of a trip switch in our hearts. I would like to challenge each of us to walk in that front door on Sunday mornings, not with a rush and a hurry in mind. I've got to get the kids over here. I've got to get some coffee. I've got to say hey to so-and-so. Can I challenge you to stop for 10 seconds and read that verse? Lift up your heads and read that verse. And read, let's be reminded why we're entering this place of praise, this place of preaching, and this place of possibility where God can do great things. I trust it will be true of us and that this congregation may know the reality that God is good. His mercy is everlasting, and in truth, his truth endures to all generations. As we close today, I'd like to ask you to stand as I close my time with you. I mentioned earlier that this is a psalm that down through the centuries in many settings has been expressed in word and in song and chants. Uh, if you read through Christian history, you'll find lots of ways in which this particular psalm has been expressed. And I want us to lift up our voice and read this psalm aloud and hear it among ourselves said. So join me in this. It won't take long. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Bow with me, if you will. Father, today we come before you acknowledging what your word says. It calls us into your presence with hearts of celebration and jubilee, with words of thanksgiving and praise. Allow us to do that, Father. Allow us to be better at it. Allow us to demonstrate to a world around us that we indeed follow your word, which teaches us you are good, your mercy is everlasting, and your truth endures to all generations. May we be that type of Christian. Christian in our walk with you, and that type of Christian as a congregation who established upon your word, will lift up your name in praise and glory for all you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen to the song, my friend. Mm -hmm.